Hello, my friend. This is Heather. Welcome to the Back to Me podcast. This is a Friday episode, which means it's a longer one and it's a wellness chat. And this episode was with Peter B. from the Genwell Project about why, as humans, it's really important that we stay connected, especially when we're going through challenging times. So check in on this chat. Let me know what you think. And I hope you have an amazing day, my friend. Take care. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. Looking forward to it. Now we are live. We, 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 we are live. Yay. And um, for those of you who don't know who the, who the heck I am, well, I'm Heather and I have Prosperity Flow Coaching. And this is our, I live stream this every month. I love connecting with other coaches and business people to help help the world, really. And this is our coach, coach coffee chat coaches coffee chat i haven't really tied the name down securely yet but and i'm super excited today because i have pete and we met a couple months ago in one of the masterminds for healthy wealthy and wise and when you were talking during the mastermind and we were kind of talking about stuff you were working on i was so excited to be able to talk to you about your project and what's going on and where did you, where did this, I'll start with, well, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit and tell us where this idea came from for you. Yeah, Heather, honestly, uh, it's great to great to be here and great to do this with you. I'm, I'm a big believer of uh, shared learning and supporting each other, uh, certainly as entrepreneurs and uh, business people that are trying to find their way and doing what we do. It's not easy. And so you know, if we can all step up and be there for each other, I think that's how we make it uh, not only a better world for everybody, but, you know, for the people that are actually saying, hey, would you mind making some time? It's like, you're darn right, I will. Let's let's right. let's have a great conversation and see what we can do. So um, what I'll say, just my background is I spent 20 years in the beverage alcohol industry, hindsight 2020, what I recognize now is I love people. And that everything about, yeah, well, and I, and, and that was pretty, pretty good too. Of that was only one of the products I sold. I sold liquor. I sold, I sold it all and I marketed it all as well. And then I had the opportunity to go over and run Movember Canada mustache charity. Oh, cool. And, and that was a, an incredible experience. And, and again, recognize that what I loved was people and that both jobs we're all about bringing people together because whether it was about celebrating those amazing moments of our lives with family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues, or whether it was coming together for a common cause and a purpose and rallying around a silly little mustache that raised a lot of money for people and for men's health. Um, it really is the life and the world is all about people and the relationships that we, that we create. So after, after those 25 years, I, had this little spark of an idea that was really, I don't know if in 2003, do you remember, Heather, the summer blackout, August 14th? Oh, yeah. Yeah, August 13th, 4, 10 in the afternoon. Do you remember what you did that day, Heather? Um, 
this will not sound like the what it should have happened. I sat in my backyard alone <laughs> drinking a bottle of wine. <laughs> well, hey, one of the things we do talk about is connecting with oneself is very important as well. And we've all had to get comfortable with that through the pandemic. Um, but yes, you're right. That is not the, the answer that I would hope because I think most people and i i had an experience that nice most people you know whether you're at the office and you went to the local bar or restaurant whether you're at home and you talked to your neighbors whether you were inside your own home and you had a candle at dinner with your family you know it, everywhere you turn people were connecting and, and it was i did see that the next day but i think that i just went in and just quietly sat and thought about what was going on i guess well and I think that's a beautiful thing, you know, the opportunity, because how often do we get the time right now? Well, the last 16 months, we probably had a lot of that time, but pre-pandemic, <laughs> how much time did we get to just actually think and sit and be idle? And I think so connecting with oneself on that night might have been a great opportunity. But what, what I saw was, you know, first off, I was at an office out at the airport in Toronto, had to make my way home, had to go see an elderly parent. So I rode a bicycle down Young Street oh. and, and oh. I saw the beauty of the human species because everybody was handing out water and ice cream and they were directing traffic and picking people up on street corners, which as you know, that doesn't happen in Toronto. Most of the time they're trying to hit the puddle so that they can splash the person instead of actually picking them up. So right. uh, after I saw that beauty, I ended up going to a friend's house for a barbecue. And at about nine o'clock at night, I walked out on the front porch. And I was in awe of this street because it was filled with people. And it's a street that you'd normally be worried about being run over if you didn't look both ways. And so I went out and, and I what I thought was, hey, look at this amazing community. Look how connected they are. They, you know, we're in a bit of a We'll call it a crisis if we want to call it that. It wasn't really much of a crisis. It just turned off the power for a few days, hours, <laughs> depending where you were. And um, I went out and saw, thought, I said to them, hey, this is amazing. And everybody looked at me and said, but, but we don't know each other. And I thought to myself, isn't that interesting that here we mm -hmm. are. It took a crisis for these neighbors to actually come out of their homes and talk to each other. And so that was the catalyst for the Genwell project, which was okay, I think I see something here. I, th I think what I see is that people, we were living, we have been living in the most fast-paced, distracted and pressure-filled world in history. We weren't making time to build the relationships with the people that make us happy and healthy. And the research now is very clear that spending time with other people and the relationships that come from them are the single, single largest indicator of happiness in our lives. It reduces anxiety and depression. It increases empathy, compassion, resilience, which we can use a heck of a lot more of oh in the gosh, world. Yeah. Strengthens our self-confidence, our immune system, and increases our chances of living longer by up to 50%. And most recently, a stat about six, eight months ago out of the Massachusetts General Hospital, it's the single largest preventative action you can take to avoid depression is spending time with other people. So really wow. the movement is saying to people, hey, we know to eat well, we know to sleep, water, we know, you know, exercise 30 minutes a day. But now the research shows it's more important for us to stay socially connected than it is to do any of those things. Those things are still important. So we're not saying it's just about staying socially connected, uh, but it's critically important that we raise the consciousness, consciousness of people and, and that they make it more intentional the way they do healthy eating and exercise. 
it's not just biohacking to try and stay to try and live longer yeah um, did you read the study on the blue zones yes of course right you know, uh, Dan and that Buechner, was a key thing yeah hey if you and what i love about the blue zones and certainly a lot of people refer to the blue zones you know the 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 places in the world where people live to an average age of over a hundred and guess what it's not filled with it's not filled with vegetarians and it's not filled yeah. with marathon runners you know it's filled with people who are surrounded by a community that help them through the ups and downs which oh by the way heather we are all gonna go through oh my gosh yeah i mean and I had a conversation yesterday with someone how I think the COVID, because you can't not talk about COVID these days when you have a conversation, it has put a huge spotlight on where we need to do our work. Mm. Like on an individual basis, but also on a community basis, on a societal basis, it's just, it has almost accelerated the awareness of, oh my gosh, that was not right. You know, that didn't work right. Oh my goodness, look at these people who are alone. And a lot of them that were alone before COVID, but now we were suddenly aware that all these people were spending time alone and how bad it was for them. So in some ways, no one will, not everyone will agree, but in some ways it's actually been a bit of a blessing do I well, hesitate to say that a little bit? But well, I, don't, I, I think a lot of people are waking up to the silver linings of this. And, and you, to your point, let's all be very clear that there is a lot of people who suffered through this global pandemic and, oh, yeah. and will suffer. And, uh, you know, more people will probably suffer, whether it's the uh, I, I hear they're calling for a mental health crisis on the other side of this. Uh, but we've got a physical health crisis. All those people, including myself, who haven't exercised the way we used to. I used to play hockey three times a week. I didn't play any hockey over the course of the last 16 months. I cannot right. wait to get back to not just the playing hockey, but the seeing the 20 guys at each one of those skates every week that builds my social connection to other people. And so for many different reasons, there's a social health uh, movement which is what we're trying to create here, which is understanding that, you know, mental health is is certainly important. We need to be more conscious of our mental health. But there are things that you can do for your mental health, like gratitude pages or journaling or yoga or mindfulness. Those won't help your social health uh, no. measures. We need to connect with other people. And that's what the science is showing. And I think the the interesting thing I've said this, you know, for my whole life, I've been told to eat better. I've been told to exercise. And the unique thing about those things is I can do them on my own. I can go for a walk. I can go to the store. I can choose to eat better. The reason why the Genwell project is so critically important in this country and frankly around the globe is because in order to create better social habits, it's not just about you. Yes, you can certainly reach out to other people, but if those other people continue, and I, I, I use the example, we just did a national survey in Canada. If other people continue to look at their phones and don't engage with people on the street walking by as strangers, guess what you're not going to be able to do? You're not going to be able to increase some of the habits. And let's not just say that in strangers, that's with family members. 50% of Canadians pre-pandemic didn't know their neighbor's name. And part of it was because we weren't open to having those conversations and connections. And hopefully by raising this consciousness, now going through 16 months of the COVID uh, uh, separation, hopefully we're all a little more open to having those conversations. Because one of the stats that I love that came out of our national survey is those people who speak to strangers at least once a week are three times as likely to be happy. Really? 
Yeah. And yet, what have we been told our whole lives, Heather, to Don't do? Don't talk to strangers. I'm telling you right now, the new movement is talk <laughs> to strangers. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Um, because I think about, like you were commenting on smartphones, and I think about the typical, even when you're with family, pre maybe pre-pandemic, but everyone sits with, I, I have my phone right here, everyone sits with their phone they're not talking to each other so you f people feel or they've told themselves that they're being social because of how many friends they have on social media but they don't talk to them in real life it's like it's the art of conversation has almost disappeared it's very it's a very strange thing to realize that there's people growing up who've always had smartphones that don't know how to talk unless they're texting. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think it's a really important conversation to have, Heather, because, you know, first off, uh, we know that we're up against teams of behavioral scientists at each of these platforms, and they have one single goal. And that goal is to make you addicted, to spend more time every minute, every day on their platforms, because that's how they generate revenue. Do we think right. that those leaders are going to change their business models? The answer is no. So we have one choice as the human species. We have an opportunity to educate each other so that we can be more conscious as to the impact of social media, both on the time distraction, but also the impact mentally when we are passively scrolling and watching you know, people live their human highlight reel. We need to be the ones who look at each other and support each other and say, hey, Heather, come on. Let's go for a walk. Hey, Heather, let's go, you know, do something together. Let's go, you know, get off our phones, our screens, our computers. And we're all guilty. This isn't just a kid thing. We're, we're kidding ourselves. And, and kids, I think a lot of kids look at their parents now. In the old days, I used to say, like, when I had a problem, I could go to my mom and dad and I could say, hey, mom, dad, I'm struggling with X. Can you help me? Because you've got some wisdom and experience. The problem with technology is we're all learning together. So the child looks at the parent and says, hey, mom, dad, can you help me with, oh, actually, mom and dad, you're distracted on your phone. So I don't even, I can't even talk to you about it because you're struggling as well. Yeah. And so this is the wake up. And again, this is the general project. And by the way, we're not anti-technology. Technology is here to stay. Look at and what we've done. done for us. Exactly. If we had a been, if we had no technology in the midst of the global pandemic, I would hate to see what would have happened to society. If we think we have problems now, they would have been fivefold if we didn't have the opportunity to connect with one another. What we need to recognize is there are ways to use technology. Look at this conversation that you and I are having. We're probably, you know, uh, I think we're, are you in, you're in the greater Toronto area, right? I am indeed. Yeah, so we're probably two, three hours away from each other having an incredible conversation using technology. And that's a beautiful thing. Through the pandemic, it was a beautiful thing passively scrolling through Facebook and social media pages, whether it's whatever platform, pick your platform, that's not a good thing. Right. You know, listening to Derek Sweet, you know, and go on about being positive and, and looking at the world and we're only here for a cup of coffee, that's a beautiful thing. You know, finding the people that inspire you to go out and do amazing things like you, Heather, that's a beautiful thing passively scrolling through other people's media and 24 hour news feeds or binge watching oh Netflix, pick your choice. But at the end of the day, raising this consciousness and making people be more intentional about spending time with other people is a big part of the solution to making the world a happier and healthier place. Right. Yeah. And, and I, 
I felt like that during the pandemic because I also teach yoga and Tai Chi online. And I was just like, everybody just come on in, like, come, we can talk without masks on, we can have a conversation, we can keep ourselves moving, even though we can't go out. So I was so happy that the technology existed to make to because a lot of them are seniors, and I wanted them to stay connected with something, somebody, you know, be able to feel like, even though they don't always feel comfortable with tech, talk them through the first few steps, and then they got it teach them once and then they got it yeah which is amazing and i saw you were speaking recently to um was that a camp that you were at yeah it was at uh, camp kilku a uh, camp for kids for boys it's actually a boys camp yeah okay and they so they were investigating they just wanted information for their counselors or what was that yeah, so this is actually how we generate revenue for uh, the movement is we do speaking uh, presentations and keynotes or we do workshops. And so in that case, we spoke to all the leaders in training and all the leaders uh, at the camp. Uh, the kids were coming up two days later and, you know, I presented the, the facts and the, the mission of the Genwell project. Uh, so that people understand how important human connection is for our health and happiness. And, and, and again, when I started this movement five years ago, Heather, a lot of people thought it was a seniors movement. They said, oh, so this is a seniors thing you're doing. And I'm like, mm, well, yes, seniors are lonely and isolated in some cases, even those that are in retirement homes, almost 50% say they're still lonely, even right. though they're surrounded by you know, hundreds of people because the people that they want to see are actually their friends, their family, their neighbors. They want us to make the time to go see them. Right. And that's the real wake up call. But kids are no different. You know, I think you know, at the start of the pandemic, we were worried about our seniors last September when kids didn't go back to school. It was worried about our kids. And now I think we're worried about everybody. And that's yeah. the wake up call. We can all be part of the solution by talking to strangers, by seeing a kid and saying hello, asking them how their day was. Hey, pick up a baseball glove and throw it with a neighbor. I don't care. I don't care what you do. Make the time. We all need to make the time now as we move forward because those little interactions, both the deep, meaningful ones with family and friends, and also the casual collisions that we have in our days with the barista, with the right. people, with the mailman, with the, all those things add up to feeling a sense of belonging in the communities that we live in and in the places we work. And we've missed all of those for the last 16 months. So your mission or the general, well, it is your mission because the general project is your, I guess, vision creation um, is really just to create connection, create awareness, create um, a healthier world. Is that, am I capturing everything? Well, here I'll give you the. Uh, okay, I'll give, give me the. the mission I'll give you the overview of the mission <laughs> statement, which will be coming live on our website momentarily in the next uh, in the next seven days. We had to. I frankly, I had to put the oxygen mask on myself as of January, uh, because we'd been running for five years trying to trying to wake people up, but with very little little uh, response. And now, obviously, everybody's starting to understand. But our mission statement is to make the world a happier and healthier place by educating people about the, uh, the benefits of proactive human connection to their health and happiness and, and to activate for their own benefit or for the benefit of those around them. So, wow, that's a mouthful. 
<laughs> yeah, it, you know, it is. We, we do three things at the Genwell Project. We educate. So whether it's, you know, opportunities like this to talk about it, we, we do all different types of corporate speaking. You saw the camp speaking. Mm-hmm. We do our daily posts on social media, which we do, you know, tips, tools, ideas, and research so the people can better understand what we're talking about. We also have uh, infographics. We posted one today, which was how to build stronger relationships. So that's about empowerment. Because at the end of the day, we live in a society where we like to wait till we're sick before we ask for help. And we have to stop waiting until society is sick before we do something. So this is about helping people take preventative steps to build healthier connection habits, whether it's because I need it or whether it's because I see that neighbor, that elderly neighbor or that young person who might be struggling and I can see and recognize that my conversation with them might make a big difference. And then finally, the third piece of the puzzle is we catalyze. And we do that a couple times a year, once in the spring and once in the fall, when science suggests that people need human connection more than ever. And so um, on those two weekends, we want to encourage all Canadians to reach out and get connected with somebody else, a family member, friend, neighbor, colleague, classmate, And if we can all rally people together because we're all coming together under one cause and one action, I truly believe we can make the world a happier and healthier place just by reaching out and getting connected. What what are those weekends? Have you already... Yeah, well, thank you for asking that because it's the first weekend in May and and both these are done strategically and based on science. So suicide rates are highest in the springtime. Wow. Kids come back from university at the end of April, and most of us go, or many of us go on our, our summer routines as of May 2-4. That's kind of the kickoff, as, as many of those in Canada would know. And so we want to capture people when we're in our community, those three weeks when we are there. And we also struggle with seasonal tr- uh, transition. Part of the reasons why there's high suicide rate um, is because of the social pressures that come with warmer temperatures after we've been hibernating right. through the colder, darker days of the fall and winter. So we want to help people build those connections again with their neighbors, reconnect with family, because we all know that we hunker down. We probably binge watch a few more TV shows, watch a few more hockey games or basketball games. And so what we want to do is be that catalyst that reminds you, hey, you really need to get connected again. No different than coming out of the pandemic. The research shows the longer you go without doing something, the more challenging it is when you start it up again, we can all think about it that in, in eating well or exercise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now this is where we're coming back. And that, this is why we are relaunching our movement. We understand what we are. We are a preventative health movement for all Canadians. We're servicing 36 million Canadians by giving everybody an opportunity to be part of the solution in making not only Canadians happier and healthier, but leading the world in getting uh citizens of the world to step up and say, I get it. And whether it's my neighbor or somebody I don't know, whether it's talking to a stranger, we all can be part of making the world a happier and healthier place. And when is the fall one? The, the fall one is the third week of September. So here's the opposite After side. So we come out of the summer. So everybody's on kind of those half speed schedules in the summertime. 
Um, and we know we're going to head back into the darker, colder days of the fall and winter. We've come off of those uh, summer schedules, and now we've gotten back. We're ramping back up into those busier, faster days with uh, schedules and work and deadlines and all those things. What we want to do is build those connections before we head into those colder days and darker days because those connections may be vital to your happiness and health as we get through uh, the, the colder days of the fall and winter so that we can get to the spring and celebrate again the warmer temperatures. So it, it, it is, those weekends are really intended just to be catalysts to get you to do it if you've forgotten or maybe you've been sick or maybe you've struggled over the course of whatever period of time. We just want to be the reminder. We want to continue to come back, give you permission, give you an excuse. But really what we hope, Heather, is that after this conversation is one example, that people think to themselves, yeah, you know what? I really haven't been spending time connecting with other people. I can take my own initiative right now and call up a friend and go and have a coffee. And of course, the, pro the protocols created some challenges over the last 16 months, but we're slowly coming out and there's ways to do it that's safe and distanced. And, but we all need to start spending time with other people, whether it's a neighbor, a family member, a friend or, or whomever, find those people and make the time to go get connected. Well, and I found one of the things you said interesting that, is, you know, we don't, you don't have to wait until you need something as recognizing that seeing someone else, like helping someone else that you recognize that they might need something. But even in doing that, it actually helps you, right? That's like so interesting that don't wait till you need it. Go out and help people because it's going to give back even more, which yeah. is like, so awesome. I call that the dirty little secret. You know, the dirty little secret <laughs> of volunteering or helping other people is, hey, just know this. You may not be doing it for them, but, you know, whatever you it's need to do. It's a dirty little secret it. of coaching too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm helping you, but in helping you, it makes me like it's just a cycle. Yeah. Of, we're givers, awesome. we're givers, we're helpers, we're people who want to uh, be there for other people. And, and coaching is a great practice for us all to, to get into. It's funny, if I, if, if I uh, speak more broadly about GenWell, Heather, I would actually say what, what GenWell is, is a free online coaching program. Wow. And, and the reason I say that is because if I can catalyze you to take action, to go have a conversation, when we connect with other people, it helps us cope with the problems that we might be facing. It helps us find solutions and it helps us build resilience. Well, isn't that actually what coaching is? Very true. And so my hope is, you know, for those who can afford to have a coaching program with you or me or with, you know, any of the, the members of the Healthy, Wealthy and Wise coaching program, or frankly, wherever they are, you know, that's wonderful. But for all those who, you know, probably can't afford, hey, you can follow the Genwell project. You can, you know, on all of our social platforms, get a daily tip, tool, or reminder to say, hey, make this a priority because the research says it's really important for your health. And although you've never heard it, you were never told this in school, you know, let me tell you that the research, which is only in the last 20 years, says it's really, really important. And they can't teach you everything in school. And school is designed to teach you this one thing, you know, even so I became an RMT uh, a number of years ago. And when I graduated, I realized 
they could, there's no way they could have taught me everything that I was going to need to know in that particular venue of life. So there's no way a school can encompass the school of life is where you learn all the things mm. you need to know about life. Mm. And I was just thinking, you're kind of like, remember participation? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are. You we are, are the like we are the participation of social connection. Right, you've got to get up on. You got to get those commercials happening where you're walking along, talking about how awesome it is, saying hi to people. You know, I remember those participation commercials. Yeah, you know, we just uh, we've applied for some grant funding from the government, and uh, hopefully that is the future. To be honest with you, is um, and we know that we're not going to. You know, we have gotten to this disconnected world that we find ourselves in. Not in sixteen months of a pandemic. You touched on it earlier before. Um, you know, this has been growing for twenty. 30, 40, 50 years. Right. And so we're not going to change the world overnight or on one Genwell weekend. We're going to change the world by being there each and every day for people to help them build healthier connection habits into their life because change isn't, isn't easy. And, and the unique thing, unlike exercise and eating well, it's just a personal choice. I go to the store, I buy the right food, I get a membership. As I said earlier, the challenge about social connection is it's not just about your effort. It's actually about creating an openness uh, amongst society to be more welcoming to those conversations. And, and our research shows actually even in coming out of this survey that we just did that now only 10% of Canadians don't know their next door neighbor's name. So, wow. you know, when you spend uh, 16 months stuck in the same place and you walk out your door and see the same person every day and we're not rushing around like chickens with our head cut off, running to the office or traveling the world, well... So that actually means we actually found the time to say hello to our neighbor and maybe get to know their name and, you know, uh, and, and maybe support them, maybe help them. And right. so to your point, again, about silver linings coming out of the global pandemic, maybe we have found some time to make better relationships and connections with people who will be part of our uh, building our resilience as we move forward. And where you were mentioning that you post on social media what is your i didn't see it on your um your sheet what yeah your so Instagram all was. of all of our all of our social channels so uh, instagram facebook twitter linkedin under genwell project it's either the genwell project or genwell project if you try, okay. them. Um, try them both. <laughs> yeah we've been doing it for five years so we've been out there every day trying to share tips tools and ideas and, you know, in the last few weeks, again, I hate to say it, but obviously the pandemic has woken a lot of people up. And as a result, now there's more engagement, there's more comments, there's more people interested in what we're doing. And, and, and I think the unique thing about being preventative uh, in our approach is that we as a society like to wait till we're in a crisis and the system is built to to deal with that we've got hospitals and emergency rooms we've got doctor's offices even mu much of the not-for-profit space is on supporting people in crisis whether right. they it's a food food um, a food bank to help somebody who has no food or a homeless shelter or somebody with a mental health crisis those are really important needs that we need to fill but we have to stop waiting and people until people have no food or don't have shelter or have a mental health issue what we need to do is help people stay connected stay healthy stay supported so they don't ever have to get to that situation and that's the aspiration that we have is it um I will, i'm probably mixing together my 
thinkers. Yep. Um, is it Gabor Mate who is, you know, a lot of uh, mental health social interventions should be in the community, not isolated. I think it was him. Um, and he, I think he was speaking specifically to addiction, but instead of, you know, locking them up, it's like you have to bring them in and help look after them so that they can recover instead of isolating them and making them feel like, you know, you're bad to stay over there until you're better kind of thing. Yeah, the person I'm familiar with who, who kind of enlightened me on that is Johan Hari, who okay. has, a, has a great TEDx. He just came out with a new TEDx that basically says everything you know about addiction is wrong. And the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but human connection. Yeah. Because right? when you are surrounded by love and community and support, you don't do those things. And there was a, a study done actually out in British Columbia called Rat Park back in the 70s, where they put a, a rat alone in a, in a cage and they gave him some water and some heroin. And the rat always went for the heroin when he was alone. But the researcher decided like, hey, maybe this isn't society. I can't remember what they were testing. Right. But, but then what they did was uh, they actually put the rat into Rat Park with some other rats and some wheels and some things to play on. And the rat never, I, I think this actually had to do with veterans coming back from war oh. and, and finding that some veterans came back and became completely addicted and many didn't. And they were trying to figure out what the difference was. And so the rats that were lonely and isolated, i.e. didn't have support in the community, they went and stayed to be addicted to whatever the drug, heroin, whatever it was. But those that were surrounded by love and support and a community and, and things to do, guess what? They never went for the heroin. They went for the water because that was the other option. And so when you do the science behind it, this is the, you know, this is the incredible awakening that I think society is going through. We didn't recognize the value of our relationships until we were locked down for 16 months. They call social isolation or, you know, uh, what do they call it in the, in the jail terms? They call it uh, solitary confinement. Right. They As punishment. That, that is the worst punishment that you can give a human being. And so, you know, what have we done for 16 months? And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't take a political stand on this. Hey, I think our politicians did the best they could, I guess. I wouldn't have want to made some of the, some of the decisions. I wouldn't want we, either. We took a lot of our relationships for granted prior to the pandemic. And I hope on the other side of this, with the support of the Genwell Project, we can all be a little more conscious and intentional about building those healthy connection habits today, tomorrow, next week, next year, and for the benefit of ourselves and everybody else around us. Well, imagine if everybody in the whole, on the whole planet had a community to connect to. It would just be such, I feel like it would be such a different place. Well, and that is, you know, again, that's our intention on Genwell Weekends is that if we can, in, if we can inspire, you know, if there's 30, 36 million Canadians and uh, the average people, so we did surveys after our Genwell Weekends when we first started, the average gathering was 10 people. So how many people do we need to actually get in order to engage all Canadians? Well, I think that might be, uh, am I wrong, 35,000? If we get 35,000 Canadians to take action, no, that's 350,000. So, uh, so 350,000 Canadians. If we get 350,000 Canadians to all the 10 people, I think we're getting closer to Something's running down the stairs back there. Sorry, there's a little. This is the reality. This is reality TV of COVID. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, this is our goal is that if we can rally all Canadians to come together a couple times a year, I think what we're going to find is people actually, and, and we've seen this on our weekends, is people go, oh my God, that was so much fun. Can we do that again? Hey, how, why do we wait so long? You know, we all have that long list of people we've been meaning to see. Mm -hmm. We just want you to take action and, and call them up and see them. And I found it interesting since stage two started in Toronto because I walk, so I live in Witchwood and I walk through the annex and um, the parks have had, not huge, but you know, groups of people sitting on blankets talking. And my first thought was, are they socially distancing? <laughs> but then I thought, wow, how cool that, you know, it's like they aren't on their phones. They've rediscovered that I actually want to talk to these people and we'll just go to a park and sit on a blanket. And the police haven't been roasting people for drinking in the parks because they're just sitting around talking. And it was just so cool to see that people yeah. were actually finding ways. I would I would chalk that up as another silver lining to this whole uh, pandemic is, it, it, you know, we both live in Toronto. I've never seen the parks as filled with people. I know. And, you know, the, the, the tracks, the running tracks, you know, I, I walk most mornings with my dog in the city. And uh, at 630 in the morning, they start to fill up and all day long, whether it's the track, whether it's the field. There's always somebody there doing something with a dog, with a kid, with a you know a friend, and and I would argue that pre-pandemic I didn't see that field be used very much, other than kids' sports and organized activities. It was all that was the only thing you saw, and so maybe we all just woke up, woke uh, awoken to some of the simpler things in life that we that are right beside us. They're down the street, around the corner, that we can do not only to make us happier, but to make us healthier. And, you know, maybe there is a simpler life than the one that we were leading pre-pandemic. We didn't know what we were missing until they mm. told us we couldn't do it. Well, that's for sure. It's one of those, oh yeah, that's fine. I can do that anytime. And then when they tell you, you can't, you're like, what, I can't? So mm. <laughs> it just becomes this need to do it. And then you recognize, oh, actually I like doing it and i want to do more of it and why did i wait so long and um maybe we can keep the snowball going even though it's july and it's hot as heck but let's keep the snowball going of staying connected even as we open because my worry would be that people would just say oh well everything's fine now and they just go back to their old habits hey i uh I, your your fear and my fear are the same and you know when i think back to the uh, the, the blackout, you know, I know I have stories of people who their communities did stick together, but that's, you know, one in a thousand. Right. You know, unfortunately we are, we were addicted to the worlds that we lived in. Um, but maybe 16 months. Maybe, maybe that's long enough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe 16 months is allowed. It gave us all a, a little time and an opportunity to ponder what's really important because I had a, an interview with Australia the other day and I was talking to the gentleman and I said, look, you know, a lot of people took the time over this uh, period to, they, they were, we were addicted, to, many of us were addicted to work. And so now your work was in some ways, if you lost your job, it was taken away from you completely. And even what you did and how you did it and the lack of connection with other people, you were forced to build greater connections at your home 
whether it was with friends, whether it was with neighbors, because if you wanted any type of human interaction, it wasn't with your colleagues because most of your colleagues don't live close to you. Right. And so I think a lot of us had to recognize like, hey, maybe I was spending too much time at the office. Maybe I was depending on those relationships. And, and, and I've experienced it myself. You leave a job, you change careers. You know, most of those people don't come with you. you know? I know, right? So interesting. And so building those relationships in the other areas of your life, with your family, your neighbors, your friends are critically, are critically important. And especially when something like this happens, you kind of go, wow, maybe I was investing a little too much time in my colleagues uh, who I haven't seen any of them knock on my door since the pandemic to say, do I need a loaf of bread? But I have seen my friends, my family and my neighbors do that. So um, it's a it's a challenging time for a lot of people to come to grips with what truly is important in their lives. And and what are, and the on this on the on the flip side of it is how much money do I need to make? in order to be to be comfortable with what I want and understand that, you know, needs and wants are completely different. And how much do you not, did you used to spend money on that you don't actually miss? And I realized one of the big realizations for me last year was how, how much I spent on Starbucks. <laughs> Why? I don't even yeah. drink coffee. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's it's interesting you say that because my wife and I were also uh, I will use the word addicted to Starbucks and I wrote a I wrote a blog I used to write a daily or a weekly blog called uh, Pete's uh, ultimate customer experience. This is about uh, a decade maybe a decade and a half ago and I wrote a blog back then that said Starbucks uh, it, it ain't your coffee. <laughs> and, and really what it was, it's, you know, it's the customer service. It's the experience of walking in and having the person say, hey, Pete, how you doing? And not that I want anybody to say that, I, but I just the smiles on their faces and, you know, just the engagement and seeing other people. And it was that little treat that we could all have. And it was like having a community. Yep, 100%. They were talking to you and they acknowledged that you were there. They just didn't, weren't just slinging coffee, right? Yeah. So that's interesting to tie back to the Genwell project. Like 100%. Starbucks, Starbucks figured out how to engage with people and that made yeah. them want to keep coming back. And that is a big part of the training of all their baristas is making sure oh. they understand the human connection. And so we've been to Starbucks and- Have you? I I th oh, yeah, we went to Starbucks and pitched them to say, hey, you should be a partner of the Genwell project. I didn't get a, much of a return call or answer from them. But again, that was probably three years ago before we became the movement that, you know, most people now say is needed more than ever before. Uh, but just on your, your comment about the habit is I figure we were spending $30 a day. Whoa. Yeah. You drank yeah. the fancy drinks. No, my wife did. <laughs> uh, but I probably had two to three grande pikes on a daily basis. So there's 10 bucks. My son loves banana, their banana loaf. And, you know, occasionally he'll get a hot chocolate. My wife would get a couple of, you know, fancy drinks. And you start to go to your point, you know, we've been 16 months. I think we've, pro we've spent less than a hundred dollars in Starbucks in 16 months. And there's a reason why they've been closing, you know, Story. doors everywhere. Um, because I'm sure we're not the only ones that were in that level of habit and, and a lot between you and where we were. And so, you know, yeah. it is a realization, even, uh, you know, trying to run a not-for-profit being the Genwell project, 
you know, all of it to this point has really been self-funded. I, I don't make money doing what I do. The goal is to create that sustainable organization. But the last thing I need to be doing is going out and having meetings with other people and spending money, whether it's on coffee or meals or whatever. Now you recognize we've been given approval to use digital technology to have conversations and connections, right. which won't which which don't replace human interaction, but they are a great supplement until we can get back together face to face. Absolutely. And I was looking at your. Um, so I was interested. I was going to go find your social media. I'm going to post it later when I go. Yeah, awesome. But you Thank had you. you were going to give us ten ideas on how to stay connected. I know you have more than ten. But do you have 10? Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, hey, I, I think, you know, if I just top of, top of mind without thinking about it, first off, just being more conscious and aware now that you have the information, go follow us on our platforms. That will be a great way for uh, people to, you know, keep it top of mind. Number two, make it regular. So if you can find a buddy or a friend, put it into your calendar. You know, we, we book going to the gym we all need to be more intentional about booking our regular occasions. And when you have those in, like my hockey nights, I played hockey Tuesday night, Thursday morning, and Sunday morning. Wow. Those were in the calendar and nothing ever booked over those. And I, I thought about it initially many years ago when I joined that it was about exercise. And now I recognize how much human interaction with my buddies in, in each of those skates uh, means to me. Number three, um, you know, find ways to chase dreams with other people. So follow, you know, what's your passion? You want to learn to play guitar? You want to sing? I was listening to Robin Dunbar, uh, who, who is the professor in the UK, who, who wrote a book called Dun... Well, actually, he didn't create the phrase Dunbar's number, but it talks about the cognitive brain and how many friends that we can actually manage at any one time. And he was talking about his new book uh, last week, and he said the single largest thing that they've seen that's actually brought people together is singing in choirs. I've seen that going on. Well, and there's a great, great organization called Choir, Choir, Choir who right. does it, and they've been doing it virtually lately. But when you, he, he used the analogy of sitting around a campfire with somebody strumming on a guitar, and by the time you leave an hour of singing together, you feel like you're family, like you're high-fiving each other, fist-pumping. Somebody did a solo on, you know, Journey's, uh, you know, what's that song? Oh, I, I, blew, I was going <laughs> to use Journey. What, uh, I'm, no, I'm, not I'm a believer. What's it like? Anyway, I forget the song now. But again, you know, finding something that will allow you to connect through a common purpose, a common mission, a common passion that we have, I think is another great one. You know, in the workplace, you know, every time you get connected with other people, how about just making the first few minutes the opportunity to do this? Let's connect. How are you doing, Heather? How how things going? How's the family? You know, how's the business? How you, you know, whatever's going on. Because one of the things that we've recognized through the pandemic also, and I, this is actually a learning both from work and from schools, is that much of the learning and much of the relationship building that, that makes us happier and healthier actually comes from the before and after. The before and after meetings, the before and after classes, when you go up to the teacher and you have a conversation or you talk to a peer in the class and you say, hey, Heather, what did you think about what she said on that subject? Or you're walking out of a meeting at the office and you're like, hey, Heather, you wanna go have a drink? Let's talk about that meeting. Let's talk about that. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we go jam right now while we're hot on it? We've just come out of the meeting. We got some ideas. 
And we've missed all those things because usually what happens as soon as the meeting's over, it's like click and yeah. we're gone. We missed a lot of that just random interaction. So is, making making those times uh, for each other, I think, is 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 critically important. As we come out, the infographic that we shared today, things that we can do to build stronger relationships, you know, remembering people's special occasions, sending old photos to people to say, hey, Heather, remember when we went on that trip and look at this? I saw a lot of that <laughs> over the course of the pandemic, people sharing old photos uh, with other people. And it just lets people know that you're thinking about them. It lets people know that you uh, had a, a great experience in the past. And, and I did read a study once uh, that said, and I can't find it to be honest with you, over 90% of the time when we reach out to old friends, it ends up in a positive outcome. And so most of us who are fearful of reaching out to older, uh, old relationships, oftentimes are, mm, I'm not sure, who knows, but if 90% of the time that ends up in a positive experience, I'd say two thumbs up, let's go make it happen and reach out to, you know. And how bad would the negative experience really be? Maybe yeah. you just don't connect anymore, so. Yeah, exactly, they just don't respond to you. That's the worst case scenario. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, create habits. At the end of the day, we're trying to create rituals and habits in our life. And that's really what's been taking away from us over the course of the last 16 months. Most of us woke up every day not knowing, would I have a job? What would that job look like? How's my family doing? Is my son going to school or not going to school? Right. You know, is something going to, you know, is something going to come out of the sky? You, you know, it seemed like things were changing on a day. Am I going to be able to go to stores or not going to go to stores? Do I have to grocery? Do I wash my groceries? or not wash my groceries. So this has been a long journey. And, yeah, and, and I think all that, uh, all that, uh, all those changing moments really are what probably most of us struggled with the most because we as human beings prefer routine. 65% of the people that we connected with on a regular basis were people that we were, we were out there just doing what we do. So we removed all those connections. We removed all our routines, going to Starbucks at certain times, going to the office, having lunch in the lunchroom. All those things changed. And so it, it really did create more challenges for people to get comfortable with what, what is going on. And as we get back to the norm, you know, if, if we can get back to more of those routines, but incorporate more human connection in those, uh, in those experiences, I think we're all going to be much better off. I think we're going to ease back into them. I feel from conversations, some people, it's, they, they like that feeling of going back into the office, but right now there's nobody there. So this, they like feeling the feeling of that being back in a new space, but they're hesitating on how many people they want around them. But I think we'll, we'll as like every, every day, like you were saying, new information comes out every day and we got to roll with it. We just got to kind of, I mean, at the end of all of my Tai Chi classes, I say, you just got to go with the flow. So <laughs> this year in half has been teaching us, if nothing else, how to breathe and stay chill as much as we can, maneuver as we go, and try to keep those connections alive and well, not for our health, but also for the health of them. I mean, the healthier the planet, the healthier the people on the planet, the healthier everybody's going to be, right? 
Yeah, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Maslow's hierarchy fan, and I paraphrase what he said. But for me, the bottom level is mental and physical health. The second level is social health. Those are the only things that most of us can control. Everything yeah. else, you know, what work you do, where you're going to travel in the world, all the things that we want to achieve in our lives, you know, most of that stuff was out of our control in the last 16 months. So what we can do is wake up every day and make sure that we're taking care of our mental and physical health, our social health. And outside of that, hey, that's where the flow comes. Yeah. You know, hey, if things are going well in this area, come on, jump on there. Let's go take care of that today. But if all of a sudden your kids are, you know, losing their mind because they're struggling with uh, homeschooling and now camps and they're on, they're not on. I think most of them are on now. All of those things were just interruptions into those normal routines, but we had to find ways to cope and get through them. And one of them, again, you know, is picking up the phone, having a conversation, getting connected with people who you love and care for. Don't so just they, text them. Yeah, it is. You're right. And, and it, there was a study that came out just near the end of the, well, I guess a couple of months ago, I was going to say near the end of the pandemic that said, look, texting is better than nothing. Phone is better than texting and Zoom or, you know, for for this type of face-to-face -face connection. And yet there's still, even in, in this, where I feel very engaged with you and, and I think everybody has a different uh, level of engagement when they're on digital uh, communications, the reality is even for the people that really are close to this being as good as human connection, those little differences over a period of time still create a, a, a major loss of emotional connection with other people. We need human connection. And so we can supplement our relationships through digital technology as much as we want, but we all need to get back to connecting with each other face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. I definitely love being with live people. <laughs> I mean- Yeah, I prefer live people over dead people myself too, so. You bet. That's not what you meant. I, I don't think I know. No, I right. left the door open for that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to walk in that one. That was too that's easy. That's all right. <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. Because I do think this is important. And I, it's like I said, when we were in that mastermind together, as soon as you talked about your project, I thought this is super important and this has to go out into the world. And, um, any way that I can support you, obviously, you know, let me know. I'm going to put in, I'm going to find your Instagram and your LinkedIn and I'm going to post those up and I'm going to, I've actually shared this into the CCF group as well. So nice. um, they've been watching, I've seen them commenting in the background. We don't see them on our little oh, thing really? up here. Okay. Yeah. Cause I shared it instead of the live stream. So yeah, I'm like, Ooh, I'm glad I called this. Jeez. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> I hope but, Derek's watching. Uh, he should be. We should like call him. Uh, he's too busy. He's he's looking. Oh no, the markets. Oh no, they're not closed yet. They're so he's too busy. He's, he's too busy. busy. He'll watch yeah. the replay. Yeah. But I want to see you again soon, and sometime I want to see you IRL. That'd be amazing. Yeah, right? We're not we're not too far from each other. The Witchwood Barns is uh, a place. Uh, John Coburn is a, a friend of mine who is an artist who has a residence in the Witchwood Barns. Really? And so, yeah, he's a brilliant human being. I'm across uh, the road from the barns. Yeah, so he's kind of, there's a strip by the playground there. He's in one of those uh, spots okay. there. 
He's the most, and he did a piece of art for the Genwell project, inspired by the Genwell project. So, awesome. um, he's a uh, he's close to the movement and 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 believes passionately as well. And I'm a big supporter of the art world because I think you know creativity in these challenging times is also critically important. So, uh, yeah, I think there's an opportunity to get connected, and uh, and and I really thank you, Heather, for the opportunity to share this message because it is. We're a grassroots movement that it takes people like you who recognize it to share it with your community so that two by two by two by 10 by 20, we all wake up to how important human connection is for our health, our happiness, and our longevity. Starts with one drip and then it ripples out. Yeah, totally agree. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll send you some COVID hugs. I love that. <laughs> hey. I'm sending you some love. Love. Okay, beautiful. Okay, I can't wait. Um, we'll we'll stay connected. I look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Hi, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you found it useful and you're like me and you like, like helping others, please feel free to share this. Just give it a like give it a comment. If you found something useful in it, there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well. Also, if you have any questions at all, I can absolutely help and I would love to help. You can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com. If you want more of this awesome content, you can follow me on Instagram, Heather Stewart Coaching. You can follow me on Facebook, Prosperity Flow Coaching. And I have a personal request. I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts. And if you could give me a review, hopefully a good one, <laughs> if you could share, if you could send this out into the world, I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend.